Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Johnston Community College in Smithfield, North Carolina, underwritten by Anchor, where everyone can make a podcast for free. Hey everyone, it's Ryan Bradshaw again, coming to you from the campus of Johnston Community College in Smithfield, North Carolina. And this morning, I am with my good friend from down the hall, Josh Sanderson, who is our Community Spanish Interpreter Instructor, and I want to welcome you to the podcast, Josh. How are you doing this morning, buddy? Hey, Ryan. I'm doing great. Uh, good morning, and thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, and you know, I I kind of started talking about the podcast when I first got here at JCC, and as I was talking to you before we began, this process is really, it does a lot of things. It's a team-building activity. You know, I want to invest in, in the team, and, and I want the team to invest in me. So um, I want to get to know people better, and a podcast is a great way to do that. But also, I want our students to get to know us better, too. And so when a student can listen to a podcast, whether it's this year or five years from now, they say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. I know a little bit more about you. I feel more comfortable uh, talking to you. You're now more approachable because I realize that you're just a person, and you're not this, you know, teacher or instructor you know that, that I don't feel comfortable talking to so this is all about making people more comfortable and I, I told you also I like transparency I want people to know what we're working on so they can be a part of what we do here at Johnson Community College and that's what it's about it's about community and, and working together so uh, I'm gonna go ahead and jump into the Q&A buddy and are you ready yep, you I'm feeling ready. it okay <laughs> so tell me about community so you jumped into Spanish as your major in college what kind of led you to that? Yeah, so um, I would say that it, language is something that I've always had a passion for, even when I was younger. It's something that I started from a young age. Um, I've just always enjoyed, you know, practicing it, speaking it, the way it sounds, um, the the technical details of it. So it's just something I've always had a passion for, um, and always knew that it was something that I wanted to do as a career. I didn't know whether it was teaching or interpreting or right. or something else, um, but. You know that kind of evolved later, but but I always knew I wanted to do something with language. Um, um, what age did you actually feel like you became bilingual? Um, I would say it was probably around high school age. High school, that range. really? Mm-hmm. So you were really into it, like because yeah. I took Spanish. I believe I didn't take Spanish until high school. I don't think. I don't think. I think that's true. I don't remember. Well, no, I did take some in, in middle school. I do remember. Okay, but you know we did a lot of the basics. You know, mm-hmm. not really getting into the conversational space. We we did more of. Um, word identification, spelling, grammar, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not really getting into the conversation piece. Um, my kids who have taken Spanish, um, you know, they've gone through teachers that really insisted on speaking Spanish the whole time in class. Do you feel like that's an effective, like teaching methodology? Or tell me about that. Um, yeah, I definitely do think that can be um, an effective way. I think there's different types of learners. So I think you know some people learn better in that environment from right. the start. Um, sure. I do think there's some students that that like to um and that benefit from from having some things explained first and then kind of jumping into it more i've always heard that immersion is really the best way to learn a language like go live somewhere yeah Yeah. what's your thoughts on that um i 100 percent agree with that have you ever um, done that i have i have Um, so tell me about that yes so i've um i've spent some time in different Spanish-speaking countries. No kidding. Um, yeah. See, I didn't know this. This is why we do this. So tell me where you've been. Okay, so a few of the places I've been. Um, I've been to Costa Rica a couple of times. Okay. Uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, Argentina. Uruguay. Belize. Um, 
it might be one or two more, but wow. I, that, that's, that's so what I can think of been, at the moment. That's, that's incredible. I've only been to one country out this outside of the United States, and that's just the Bahamas. So you're, you're way ahead on me. Have you been to any other non-Spanish-speaking countries, or is just just kind of... Just, just kind of those that I'm missing. Okay, like I said, sure. there might be one or two more that I'm forgetting, but that's, that's kind of the main... So if you could ones. snap your fingers and transport back today to one of those, where would you want to go back to? Um, I really, really love... I mean, I love all of them, but right. Costa Rica was one of my favorite places ever. Sure. Um, I actually took a group of students from JCC okay. on one of the trips. was like a little kind of short-term study abroad trip to sure. Costa Rica, and it was oh. just an amazing experience. So when you say short-term, how long is that engagement? It was about nine days. Okay, there. that's yeah. really cool. So break. what was the main... Is the main motive just to expose people to other cultures and language, or <clears throat> is there actually like a, a syllabus that you go through and trying to... Go through a formal process. Yeah, so with that one, um, it was a component of a class, and the goal with that was for them to be completely immersed for those whole nine days. They right. lived with a host family there, like a native host family. Spanish-speaking. Um, they yeah. had they could only speak Spanish the okay. whole time. Right. Um, every single activity was in Spanish. Right. The They got a taste of like the real lifestyle because they ate the meals with the, ho- the host family. Sure. Um, we didn't really eat out a lot in restaurants and stuff. I mean, we did a few times, but... For the most part, it was, you know, them being 100% in Spanish the whole trip. How many host families were involved in that? Uh, there was around eight. Okay, yeah. so wow. So you had about eight students in each one. Level. So you had one student yeah. per family, basically. Yeah, so we divided up where each person would have their own kind of host family so gotcha. they wouldn't be tempted to, you know, speak in English to their uh, roommate or whatever. It was like you were completely <laughs> So, yeah, you're there. in. How did the students cope with that? Did, did they did they handle themselves well? Yeah, I think, I think they did great with it. It was... For some of them, it was a little bit overwhelming at first, especially sure. for the ones that hadn't had as much right. study in Spanish so far. Sure. But, I mean, I think every single one of them would, it, would tell you that it was an amazing experience once it was all completed. It's amazing how human beings can still communicate, even if we don't speak the same language. Two mm-hmm. examples come to mind. I was in Walmart yesterday. I, I find myself, even no matter how I plan meals, I still have to go to grocery shopping maybe two or three times a week <laughs> to pick up something for supper, you know. Yeah. Like, I like to cook. And I am the cook at the house. My, my wife cooks a little bit. My kids cook a little bit. But I, I cook most of the time. So I'm in the store. And I, I'll say this is a bad habit. But I like to listen to podcasts while I'm walking around. And I should not have them in so I can hear people talking and stuff. But I'll, I'll do transparency where I can hear people. And as I'm walking out, a Spanish-speaking woman was walking towards me with her husband. And I, I don't know if she knew that I couldn't speak English or, or, or couldn't speak Spanish or she couldn't speak English. But she, or that she saw my ear pods in, but she was looking at me and she was making this like hand across the throat, like no gesture. And I didn't know what she was talking about at first, but then I got, she was saying that the exit was closed that I was trying to go out. And so I had to walk all the way down to the other exit to go out. But yeah, she communicated me. And the other example I came up with um, was I was at a gas station one time and I saw something that was so foreign to me, which was a monk at a gas station in Mount Olive, North Carolina. We're talking like Tibetan monk with the robe. Like, yeah, I was just like, what is this dude doing in Mount Olive, North Carolina? I had to talk to him. I was like, I don't know if this guy speaks English or not, but I had to, I said, this is my chance to talk to a Tibetan monk. So he's right beside me at the gas station. So how are you? I just start saying, you know, I said, so and I knew he couldn't understand me very well, but I said, I just want to say hello to you, you know, just hello, you know, and, and it's amazing how we do adapt and can cope. So even though we couldn't understand each other, we recognized that I was offering a gesture of friendship. And so that's amazing. So yeah. so 
How did you enjoy those trips, though? So what were you doing while the students were in the host households? Yeah, so I, I actually stayed with the host family as well. Okay, so you were on your own host family. Yeah, okay. so we had each per, each student was at a different host family. I was with a host family. Right. Um, and we had certain planned activities as a class. They were required sure. to keep journals and things like that. Um, we did a trip to, like, a volcano. Did, did they have to write to the journal the in Spanish? Yeah. They did? <laughs> wow, that is... That's pretty, yeah, that's an immersive experience, all right? So you yeah. said volcano? Yeah, volcano. Um, we went to the beach. We did um, zip lining. We also did a lot of educational things. We did some Spanish classes there. Um, we did some volunteer things where we, um, you know, we, we helped teach English to some of this, the Costa Rican students there in the high schools. Um, we cleaned up a waterfall at one point. So it was kind of a all mix right. of, of so you've different got, activities. Like, history, you've got, you know, language, you've got... Um, like community involvements, you've yeah. got recreation, you got a lot of different things. Yeah. That's really cool. So did you plan all this out yourself? Um, it, it was through like a little organization that kind of they specializes stuff like in this? those okay. educational right. trips. Um, so they had kind of lined up most of the activities. So how did you work out the financing? This Did the students have to pay themselves or how does that work? Yeah, so the, the students paid themselves. We had it set up where, you know, they could make kind of smaller payments sure. for several months in gotcha. advance okay. and then everything would be paid up by the time the trip was there very cool so yeah. what's the longest stay that you had in a spanish-speaking country um probably in in spain um you I, did, I don't think you mentioned spain i think that was the one yeah. i forgot earlier i knew spain. there was <laughs> I listen knew to was. this guy going to spain man <laughs> i knew there was one I was world traveler over here right down the hall see i had no idea that's excellent yeah. Go for it. So, um, how long did you stay in Spain? I was in Spain for the summer one time, um, and that was that was a great experience too. So that was that was one I I can't believe I forgot to mention that wow. one earlier, but that was that was one of my favorites. So too. tell me about the food. Like we'll go we'll talk about. It. So I mean I love watching. There was this one show I watched. Uh, do you remember the, the the streaming app Quibi? I don't know if you heard of it. It was uh, it literally blinked out of existence. Um, it was a streaming service that came out about a year or two ago that. Was they their their pitch was we're going to show you content in ten minutes or less or something like that, and there was this show called Oh God Taste of Italy or something like that. It was a uh, Taste of Pasta, I think's what it was, mm-hmm. and this dude would tour you know several different locations in Italy, and I didn't know this. There was literally hundreds of different shapes of pasta that are some are like regional and some are like exclusive to a town. They make this one particular type, and he was trying to get all these ancient pastas and bring them back to the United States to keep them alive. Uh, really fascinating stuff, but they, they talked about Spanish food too. So tell me, like, what was your favorite thing to eat? If you go back to Spain today, what was something that's like, oh my goodness, I got to get this? Um, there, was, there was so much. It was hard to pick one. Right. Um, I had a lot of good seafood there. And, and okay. Just kind of, um, it, does yeah. the seafood taste similar to what you would find in the United States or is it totally different? Uh, for me, it was kind of similar. Really? Um, there was one thing I would never try again, and that was octopus. I tried octopus there. and What didn't you like about it? Uh, the texture. It the texture? Yeah, it wasn't something that I enjoyed I've had, at all. I've had fried calamari before, yeah. and it's okay, but it's a little too chewy. It's yeah. not for me. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, uh, I think God, we were talking about two nights ago at dinner, we were talking about things you wouldn't eat. And for me, it's uh, the name I think I listed is raw oysters. Yeah. Like, I used to work at an oyster bar, and uh, some of you might not have known about me. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I've steamed and shucked oysters for people, and, you know, some people wanted this oysters completely raw, so you mm-hmm. just took a raw peck and, and shucked it for them. Other people want them lightly steamed or hard steamed, whatever. But, yeah, I just, I could never just get the idea yeah. of eating a raw oyster, you know, unless I was really <laughs> hungry. You know, the first person that tried a raw oyster had to be starving. You yeah, know, they're like, okay, I'm eating yeah. this. So. <laughs> so, now tell me about, like, so you... 
you, you studied uh, and you were fluent in high school. What what college did you attend after that? Yeah, so I attended NC State. I did my bachelor's degree at NC State and also my master's. Um, and then I'll, I'll also mention I was also a graduate of the JCC Spanish Interpreter Program. Okay. So I um, I actually completed the, the Spanish Interpreter Program um, did you, did you do that private state or? Um, I did that kind of in between okay. my bachelor's and my master's. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and you studied Spanish as your undergrad and grad, correct? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, how was that experience? Like, what was, was, was your, were your, I guess your instructors were a lot of them from Spanish speaking countries or? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I was, that was one of the good things about it was that I had a very kind of diverse group of instructors right. and, you know, I got, I got a chance to, to hear about all the different cultures, all the different accents and dialects and sure. things like that. So I was exposed to a lot of different types of Spanish, and that was good. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's going to be my next question is about dialects. So how different is Spanish that you might hear in Mexico versus Brazil, Argentina, and Spain? What mm-hmm. it, it, I've talked to Spanish-speaking people before about this, and they say that it's, some can be very different, and, but you can still kind yeah. of make out what they're saying. So tell me about that. Yeah, definitely. So um, I 100% agree that you can, it's definitely understandable that like- There's a conjugate you know, you know, yeah. relationship between that language. Um, there are like a few, you know, there, there's gonna be some vocab words that are different, like one word here in Mexico means something different in Spain. Right. Um, there's a couple of like verb forms that are used mostly in Spain and not, not in other parts as much. Um, and just the way it sounds is going to be different too. Sure. Gonna, that's going to be one of the main things too, is that it, it's going to sound different. Um, right. It's going to have a different kind of tone. It's going to have a different pitch. It's going to have a different speed. It's right. going to be a what little bit different. What part of the world are you, were you born and raised in yourself? Uh, North Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a Sampson County, Eastern North Carolina. And the reason I ask is because our dialect, we don't often hear it ourselves. But if I listen to myself record it, I can mm-hmm. hear, I said, man, I sound super redneck. You know, I'm like, what? But... If I, but if I call somebody up north in New York, New Jersey, Boston, they can hear our dialect very strongly because I, I, I try to be personable on the phone. And I was talking to a lady one time, and I said, by the way, do I have a very thick southern accent? She said, yes, sir, you do. <laughs> and But they have a very thick northern accent. And if you talk to people from the Midwest, Midwestern folks are kind of neutral on their accents the way they come across to me. But Texans, you know, South, Southwest, and then Californians, they have very distinct access, uh, yeah. accents. And so, and then you get into uh, Northeast, uh, Northwestern United States and Canada, you can hear dialect differences. But we're all speaking English, you yeah. know, so yeah. uh, that's fascinating to me, yeah. you know. And, and the way we use language is different. Yeah, and I think with Spanish, it's really interesting, too, because there there's 19 or 20 different countries that speak Spanish right. predominantly and, and so that lends itself to so much variation and so right. much differences. Well you think about it, like I just said the United States is an example we all speak English but we have different accents and ways of using that language mm-hmm. so um, you know like Boston like wicked wicked smart wicked yeah. cool I have a friend from Boston and I used the word wicked one time he said you can't use that word that's our word you know and but like the way we talk in the south you know we have all our own colloquial dialogue you know or and things and the funny thing is is that when i speak to you or in a professional setting i try to articulate um, deliberately but when i'm at home i realize the slang and the colloquial speak come out i start talking a little bit more like andy griffith you know at home so yeah. yeah so you got through college and your mission the whole time was to teach is that correct um, yeah, well, I was I was still, I guess, kind of figuring out exactly. Like I said, I knew I wanted to do something with language. Um, 
And the way that I really got into teaching was in my master's program in NC State. I was I got a scholarship that was for a teaching assistant scholarship. Okay, cool. And so you know um, the school kind of paid for my my housing and my um, tuition and things and insurance. And in return, I would help teach some of the lower level classes. Very nice. Um, and I remember the, the very first class I taught was like a big auditorium Spanish one hundred and one. Oh my goodness! How many people? Like two hundred people. Two hundred people. And yeah. you're the lead teacher. Did you, have, yeah. did you have a TA with you? Uh, yeah, so we had, um, there was four teacher assistants in the that got the scholarship. Wow. And so we had kind of a lead teacher that would kind of yeah. supervise us, check in with us, and okay. things like that. So um, we would kind of rotate around and take turns between the four sure. of us. But wow. it, was, it was a great experience. And that, that kind of, you know, was the thing that kind of solidified the teaching part right. for me. I, I saw how much <laughs> I enjoyed and how sure. much it meant to me. So there's this thing that comes up in leadership and management, and this ties right into it, is that, um, this, these crisis of confidence and this idea of um, that you're in an uncomfortable place because, like, I experienced this as a teacher where I went in and I, and I had some expertise. I had several degrees. I had uh, practical real-world experience in management, and yet here I am day one thinking I'm not qualified to teach these people. Did you feel like that too? Yeah, it was it was an over like I, I didn't have a lot of teaching experience right. prior to that. Sure. So for me, that was that was really the first time I was in a classroom setting as right. a teacher. So it was a little bit overwhelming sure. at first. I yeah. mean, I caught on pretty quickly, and it was it was a good experience. But well, the reason I share that, and I and I and I want faculty to share that is because students they go through these crises of confidence too. They have tons of anxiety about college. They have tons of anxiety about career, and it's important to know that leaders all the way up the chain of command have these anxieties, they have these crises, and they wonder, am I making the right move? If I make this move, what will happen? And so, like, you know, it's important to recognize that's part of the process, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's part of your growth. And so how long did you do that experience? Um, That was about uh, probably about two years, year and a half, two years, something like that. That's really cool, man. And so um, was JCC your next stop after that? Yeah. Okay. Cool. What year was that? Uh, I believe I started in 2012. At 2012? Okay, yeah. so 10 years. Yeah. Happy 10 years, buddy. Yeah, that's excellent. So it's safe to say at this point you like JCC. I love and, JCC, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you got here. How was your first year experience here? How was that? Yeah, the, the first year was um, very busy. Like, you know, I was, you know, like I said, it was my, it was my first kind of, you know, real full-time teaching job. It was learning a new school. It was learning you know, about advising and teaching and forms and administrative stuff. So right. it was it was a lot at first. Sure. Um, I remember that first semester or two was, was quite challenging, but it was, you know, like I said, looking back on it, it was something that was really, really right. good for me and that I learned a lot from. So You know, when I got here, when I, well, when I got into teaching, I thought it was going to be mostly um, dealing with uh, teaching, you know. Mm-hmm. But after it was all said and done, I got into dealing with uh, administrative stuff, you know, and I realized, you know, that the whole the whole game is not just teaching, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into a course prep, book selection, um, content creation, you know, and I make a joke that teachers are the OG content creators, and that's true. Yeah. Like, you look at a kindergarten classroom, you walk in there, teachers have to create all this content, mm-hmm. and the TikTokers of today, like, are just ripping off teachers, you know. So, like, you need to give teachers credit yeah. for, for creating content. So, yeah. so you've been here 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, what, like, just looking back over that, what would you say would be some of your high points of things that have made you feel really, all, it's just, this has been an awesome experience? 
Um, yeah, definitely one of the things would be what I mentioned before about the trip to Costa Rica. I think that was that was a definitely definitely a highlight. Um, another thing was that we um, we were able to start a Spanish club. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of continued, and we've got now we've got kind of four co-advisors. Um, and so the club has, has kind of been able to participate in different activities, um, take different field trips, um, do different cultural fairs and, and festivals and things like that. So that's been good. Um, and just, you know, just, just helping a student with their career, helping a student find a job, helping a student with their um, resume, things like that have been highlights as well. Okay, excellent. And so now we're like uh, talking about like forward looking. You know, I, I just got here a couple months ago, and what do you think? What is on the horizon that you're looking forward to going for, like, in the future? Uh huh. Yeah. Um. As far as like the professional. Well, just like what what kind of um, kind of goals do you have on the horizon and things that you're working on? Like, and the reason I ask this. Uh, I actually, I think I mentioned to you guys in the first two weeks, me being here, that I want you guys to share with me kind of your goals, things you're interested in working on, because I'm convinced 100%, no matter what stage of life you're at, you need to have a goal. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I, it, it doesn't matter what the goal is, as long as it's something that you look forward to and that you're working towards. Um, something I'll share with you that I don't know if I've shared with any of you guys, but I'm a collector. I collect things. I'm a, I collect books. I actually bought and sold comic books for a long time. I probably got 2,000 comic books at the house. Um, but, you know, I read some, too. I'm, I'm, I love literature. I love reading. Uh, I've got a library of about 500 books at the house. Um, and the library's for my kids. That's one reason I built it. Um, and I want them to be able to have access to stuff, even though they don't, I don't think they appreciate it as much as I hope they will one day. Mm-hmm. But part of this stems from my grandmother was a teacher, and she always was reading. My mother was a teacher. She was not a, as proficient or prolific reader as my grandmother, but I, 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 my grandmother was my best friend as a kid. I know that's weird, but um, we always went fishing together. We were buddies. Her name was Blue. She's a super huge personality, little Scottish lady, about, about four foot nothing, tiny, tiny person, less than 100 pounds, huge personality, though, just, just very, uh, she's, she's on the go, traveling, going to the beach, going out of country, um, just, just a tremendous personality, and she taught me a lot about education, uh, and she said, you've got to read and read often, just continue to read, so um, I collect things, and so uh, one of the things I collect is ounces of silver, and uh, I've been doing this for years, but I've, my, my collection has gone up and down, but my goal is to get 100 ounces of, of silver dollars uh, of one type and another 100 of another, and it'll probably take me three or four years to do that, you know, but... That's a mini goal that I'm working on. That's just one of many goals that I'm working on. So another goal, need to lose 20 pounds, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but no matter what your goals are, you got to have them. you got to be work for them because I think that gives you a purpose, gives you a mission. Another goal is to um, set my kids up for success. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a multi-year goal, you know. That's a lifetime goal. I want to die one day knowing that I did everything I could to help my kids be successful. And so... Tell me about any goals that you might have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so th- those are great ones, by the way. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say from a from a professional standpoint, just you know, con- continuing to be kind of a good example for students and helping them out with their career and things. Um, kind of on a personal level, um, I think like language learning is a lifelong journey, so it's right. not something you ever like arrive and you're done. It's, it's you know, something that's just you you always learn in your whole life. Sure. Um, and kind of like you talked about as well, just kind of setting things up. For the future, for 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 my family, and being a good example for them. Sure. Um, do you think? Do you ever think you might want to study another language? 
I, I thought about it before. Sure. Um, you know, I've thought about French or Portuguese. Or so like aren't French, Portuguese, and Italian all conjugate languages? They're like yeah, they're, so they're very closely yeah, related. Yeah, kind of I the think romance language. With your mastery of Spanish, I believe you could pick up French or Italian yeah. pretty quickly. You know, and yeah. Portuguese as well. So, I mean, how would you approach doing that? Yeah, well, well, the I think the the, the good part about it would be that. Um, the the third one would probably be a little bit easier because you've Portuguese, already kind of learned yeah. you know the the grammar structures for sure. for two different languages already and um, you kind of learn the the patterns and things like that right. um, so I think it would be something that um, wouldn't be too challenging right um, and that would be that would be a good goal I think sure too. sure yeah so do you see yourself doing that in the next ten years maybe Is that something you might be interested that in? could be a possibility yeah. okay sure another thing I've all, I've been working on lately is, is coffee like I'm a huge coffee fan so no I've kind of been so trying to specialize in, in learning more about that process tell me about it so are you looking at like coffee that comes from specific regions or tell me tell me yeah about so kind that. of I've been I've been um, you know just kind of learning the different brewing methods kind of getting some single origin coffees from different okay. countries and kind of tasting the differences sure. and just learning how to how to, to, to brew it and things like that. It's so just been a li- nice learning process. I'm not, I'm, I have a cup of coffee here, but I'm not a coffee snob, I guess you could say, but I like good coffee. Yeah. But I only drink one cup a day, maybe, maybe two, depending, in the yeah. winter especially, when it's cold. But um, I appreciate a good flavorful coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you when you brew it at home, do you just brew it typically through a coffee machine, or do you have a special device? Or um, I have I have a little device called a Chemex. Okay. It's basically like a glass, um, uh, a glass thing with a cone kind of mm-hmm. foam top yeah on I've it. seen those yeah and you kind of put a filter in there sure. you put your grounds in there I kind of grind my right. beans fresh and everything oh man yeah <laughs> that's good stuff man yeah. so where would you say is, is a top shelf coffee bean coming from where, where do you say um I love the Ethiopian coffee coffees. They're very wow. kind of kind of a fruity taste. Okay. Um, uh, the Colombian coffees, of course, kind of the sure. classic traditional right. ones. Um, both of those I love. That's excellent, yeah. man. So, if this is a question I ask everybody, if you could offer a piece of advice to students, something you wish you knew when you were just starting out as a student, yeah. what would that advice be? Yeah, so I think that's a that's a great thing. One of the things I think would be just to be as involved as possible. Um, I know like in, in my program, the Spanish interpreter pro- program, for example, the students that have had the most success with job placements and things like that are the students that have done um, networking and volunteer opportunities and that have, you know, made those relationships with people before they get out into the workforce. Um, because then, you know, there's always that catch-22 right. of like the employer wants the education, but they also want the experience. But if you've been in college, you know, how do you have the experience? Sure before the education, but I think like with my program, there's a, there's an internship and there's a service learning component and in, built into the curriculum and the classes. And that gives a chance for the student to get some experience right. before they graduate. So, you know, on their resume, when they graduate, they've got the internship and volunteer experience to go with the education. Um, and plus they've got that networking with those employers. Maybe the employer has a spot for them now. Maybe they can refer them to somebody else that's looking for someone. Maybe there's something that opens up down the line. If, if nothing else, they can be a good reference for them. Right. Um, so I think for me, the advice would be be as involved as you can in clubs, volunteer activities, networking, extracurricular activities. Um, like be focused on your academics, but also be well-rounded, I guess would be the way I would say it. Man, you said so much. And I, I thought of four things while you were talking. I've got a quote over here. I say little quotes. This quote is from Reuben Carter, who, if you've never seen the movie The Hurricane, 
Have you ever seen the movie? I've never seen it before. So it's true. Well, the movie is based on a true story. There's probably a lot of uh, fictional fictionalization to it. But Ruben Carter was in prison for the murder of a couple of people. But he found, well, later found was exonerated. Mm-hmm. Um, he was found, you know, wrongfully in prison. And he there's a quote. In the movie says, "Small doors many times open up into large rooms." Mm-hmm. Just what you said. Don't be afraid to get involved in something that you might not think is a big deal. You know, you might volunteer for something today that makes a connection to, to an opportunity tomorrow. Yeah. And people love to see on resumes and, and vitas uh, these things where you've been involved in the community. It's yeah. so powerful. I wrote down networking. Networking is my biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. True, true, no, full stop. Like, I don't like to network. I'm, I'm actually a closet introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, when I'm here, I'm excited. I'm on. I'm, 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 I can be boisterous. I'm not as loud as Matthew. <laughs> Shout out to Matthew Gargano. But, uh, but when I'm home, I like to be reserved mm-hmm. and calm, and I don't like to go out a lot. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a private, quiet person. But networking is so important. You make those connections. Um, it keeps your name in front of people's faces, and when opportunities open up, they think, oh, this person I know. Um, so there's a quote in the movie Fight Club. You ever seen that movie? It came out 20 years ago now. Good gracious, <laughs> over 20 years. But in the, in the movie, one of the Ed Norton's, uh, or Brad Pitt makes the quote, "Choose your you choose your level of involvement. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Like if, you're, if you feel like you're left out, that's because you left yourself out. Mm-hmm. You need to get involved, yeah. and and that goes back to networking and being a, being involved. And then the last thing I thought of is ninety percent of life is just showing up. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Be present. You know, like you're not gonna phone in life. You've got to show up. If you're not leading the charge, you're gonna be getting drugged behind. Mm-hmm. There is no in between. You know, everybody else gets crushed. You're either leading or getting drugged. Yeah. And so, Josh, it's been awesome talking to you, buddy. <laughs> I, I see. I love talking to people because I had no idea that you were this world traveler. Let me ask you this. Okay, so realistically, where do you want to go next? Where are you, where are you thinking about going next? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. There's so many. There's so many good places. Um, uh, I've always wanted to go to the Dominican Republic. That's, okay. that's been one place I've, yeah. I've always wanted to go. Um, and I'd love to go back sometime and just revisit the places I've been before as well. Um. But there, there's a there's a, a lot of different places I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent, buddy. Yeah. Well, Josh, I appreciate your time today, bud. Uh, and I'm gonna actually put your email in the show notes so people can reach out to you with questions on the okay. community expansion interpreter program. And uh, I just thank you so much for being positive and being excited to be here. So yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. All right, Josh. Have okay. a good day, bud. You too.